0: on Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headphones, into your speakers, into whatever device you use to listen to this. I'm Ryan Andrews from JaysFromTheCouch.com, back for the second time today on Locked On Blue Jays, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I told you we'd be delivering a doubleheader today to kick off November, to kick off the countdown to the 2019 season, I guess. We're five months away. (laughs) Yay. Um, So, yeah. We're we're coming at you, going to welcome in all of our fans from across the world, whether you're in Canada, the USA, France, Germany, South Korea, Ukraine, Sweden, all over the place. I know there are listeners to this podcast, and we thank you for it. So this is the one you've been waiting for. We are going to discuss the man who takes over for John Gibbons. One, Charlie Montoyo, who no one knew of the last time we recorded an episode of Locked on Blue Jays prior to today. So this episode is going to be focused on him, what he brings to Blue Jays, what the Blue Jays saw in Charlie Montoyo, how he's going to advance the causes that the Blue Jays have identified, what he can do with the roster. It, it's going to be all about Charlie because a lot of people did not know who Charlie Montoyo was, as I just said. So let's fill in those gaps. Let's let's start with a bit of background on Charlie Montoyo. Charlie Montoyo is a 53-year-old native of Puerto Rico who has a career batting average of 400 in the majors. Yeah, he's, skilled, he's Ted Williams. Charlie Montoyo. Um, He got into a handful of games with the Montreal Expos in 1993, and went two for five when he was up there. He had three RBIs. He's he's very productive, very productive hitter. Spent a lot of his time uh, bouncing around the minor leagues, a lot like a lot of the guys who eventually go into managing. And, yeah, so he had that cup of coffee, then joined the Tampa Bay organization when it was formed in 1997. He became the rookie-level manager, slowly started to work his way up through the organization, moved to single A, moved to high A, moved to double A in Montgomery, uh, was a triple A manager in Durham for seven seasons, and... They did very well. They He only had one losing season in Durham, won two titles, um, has the most wins for the Durham Bulls ever, and has, has been mentioned as a managerial candidate for a little bit. The Rays promoted him to be their bench coach in 2015. That's the role he's been in since, well, until earlier... A couple weeks ago when the Blue Jays officially brought him in as the 13th manager in Toronto Blue Jays history. So that's the brief biographical stuff about Charlie Montoyo. What we've learned about him as a manager is that the Blue Jays got someone who is very similar to John Gibbons and how he managed things when he was here. And I think that was a big thing for the Blue Jays front office is that they liked what Gibbons did and and like what he brings to an organization as a manager. But they did see the need to get a new voice in there and get someone else in who had some other ideas and could maybe work with numbers a little bit more. Because when Charlie Montoya was introduced this week as Blue Jays manager, he made it very clear that while he has a lot of those old school mentalities, he does also embrace the analytic side of things, which I think uh, the front office of Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins wanted to see more of, as opposed to just managing with the gut. And as a member of the rays organization obviously very very heavy analytic department in tampa bay they they need to because it's tampa bay they they need to do something to try and win in that market so what montoyo brings is is that same kind of player skill and he he bristled a little bit at being called a player's manager saying that you know you just go out there and you let the players do what they need to do and that that doesn't mean you're just giving into them you're just kind of guiding them and i i think that that's something that again gibby was really good at doing that was kind of his calling card as a manager so they they found a guy who will be able to replicate that environment yet put a better result on the field. And another thing that Montoyo mentioned in that what he wanted to see from his players is just running. Which is, is pretty pretty basic. I mean Manny Machado didn't really show that, but <laughs> It It's something that is a little bit indicative of, I think, what the Blue Jays want to try and do. And that's get more dynamic and be able to go forward and, again, kind of diversify what they wanted to do on the field. Because that, again, it it's been that kind of, let's wait for the bomb to come let let's not really do anything. Charlie Montoyo is going to be a guy who runs. He's going to be trying to create with the legs. And again, that's something that when we talked about earlier this uh, today in the first episode of locked on days, the blue Jays need to be able to diversify their offense, to be able to generate runs a little bit more. And Montoya shown he, he can do that at a triple a level. And he's shown that kind of impact for Kevin cash. In Tampa Bay, and and seeing how guys like Malik Smith and Joey Wendell and Matt Duffy were able to use the hard contact and and their speed and and advancing those other bases and generate runs for a Tampa team that did not have a lot of power on it. So from from that kind of mentality, I I really like that aspect of it. And we're going to talk more about some of the other intangibles he brings to this Blue Jays squad right after this break. Welcome back. Still talking Charlie Montoyo here on Locked on Jays. And I got into his personality a little bit, but I did want to throw in this first-hand account from Jessica Quiroli who can be found on Twitter at Heels on the Field who, when it was announced Montoyo got the job last week, she quickly moved to, I guess, reassure Blue Jays fans that they're getting someone who is very capable of what they're going to do. Uh, Quiroli called Montoyo very welcoming Manager, very smart, very professional, was able to strike a good balance with high rank prospects and experienced players. Baseball smarts are through the roof. He's warm, he's fun, and he's done a lot of minor league managing. That's something that Quivoli was quick to point out. And in looking back at the Blue Jays managerial search, I think that did play in a lot when you compare Montoyo to a lot of the other candidates who were bandied about for the Blue Jays. Guys like Joe Espada, uh, David Bell, John McDonald, Stubby Clapp, John Schneider. In the end, they went with a guy who had a lot more experience then, then those kind of guys, they did not want to go the Alex Cora route, just moving a player into that slot. They didn't want to hire a Craig Breslow, who hasn't even retired yet. They they went for a guy who's learned a lot in his time at the minor league level, and Coroli said as much when she was talking about the hire that She's more confident when a manager's hired who's done a solid amount of minor league managing coaching. It's a tricky challenge, particularly higher up. And her past comments probably speak more to Montoyo's relationship with the media and managing personalities and not strategy, but strategy is something that can be learned over a 20-year period. And Montoyo has that success rate at AAA, has a success rate with a Tampa team that was expected to struggle hard in, in the past couple of years and yet has been competitive and we've seen his relationship with the media on display when he took out uh, Rosie demano of the Toronto Star which Rosie DeMano if I had to put her in a baseball context she reminds me of JP Aaron Sebia not not media Jabe here. Aaron Sebia, J.P. Aaron Sebia in the media has been a delight, but player J.P. Aaron Sebia in that she will occasionally have a good hit, a good day, but will, for the most part, just do a lot of things that she shouldn't and then say things that she shouldn't. And yeah, very, very hit or miss Rosie D'Amato. So Rosie D'Amato at the press conference on Monday just goes goes in and asks Charlie Montoyo, how do you brace yourself to deal with a team that's likely gonna lose a lot in the next few years? And Charlie just just goes, Really? Which I think is the general reaction to a lot of what Rosie demano says. But just just being able to do that immediately, just to have that kind of reaction, makes me Already love Charlie Montoyo. Like that, that is definitely the Gibby kind of reaction to that. And and a lot of people were noting that, you know, as we said in the first block, he's he's got that Gibby personality, but with more of an analytic bend, which again, I think was the goal trying to get him in. So when when he's able to do stuff like that, when he has the confidence. To be able to say things like that, I think it serves well. And 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 again, in the media appearances he's made since being hired on as the manager, he's shown that ability to con- to relate a lot, like John Gibbons was able to do so. Now there was there was one other connection that people were making between Montoyo and his organization, and that is the fact that. When he was in the minor leagues with Montreal, Montoyo had a lot of contact with Vladimir Guerrero Sr. And people were like, oh, he's being brought in because he knows how to handle Guerrero. So, yeah, that might be a benefit of that. I, that. But that seems to strike me along the same lines as like, oh, they hired Charlie Montoya because he can speak Spanish. Like, that's not the sole reason why he's being brought in. Let's not get that twisted. Will it help? sure any anything that can be used as an intangible can help and if montoya ha- is able to make that connection with vlad jr just like i knew your father i knew what he did to make himself a success i know you're doing the same thing you can push it like that if if that's something that he can use that's great that's great but it's not the primary reason why i think montoya was hired over a joe espada or a brandon hyde just it, it doesn't really have that strong a bearing for me. Yeah, it's nice, but it's not a factor, in my opinion, for why Montoya was brought in. I think we've seen from his press conference White why he's brought in he's a guy who can handle the media in toronto who has a deft touch with his players but offers that more analytical side is it a good hire for the toronto blue jays i think is the main question that people want answered and it's impossible to answer that considering he's been on the job for a week it it looks like a good hire we can say that but only time will tell if it's a good hire because i mean you you look at all the managers who have been let go, like people said, oh Paul Molitor, that was a good hire by Minnesota. Oh Buck Showalter, that was savvy hire by Baltimore. Jeff Banister, oh he, he's a good promotion by tech. I think the only manager who didn't be like, oh that's a good hire for them was John Gibbons when he got hired by Toronto. So so you can have all these reactions and stuff now. You can have these perceptions. They'll look good in the moment, but Again, we won't be able to issue a full report card on Charlie Montoyo until he gets a couple of seasons under his belt. And I don't see near the amount of losing that Rosie DeMano sees, but I see a guy who's going to be able to help develop a lot of these younger guys on the Blue Jays. And that's going to be key in 2019 and 2020, heading into 2021, is developing these guys and making sure they get to the point where they can contend with the Red Sox, contend with the Yankees, go into those battles and not, you know, just feel like they're at an instant disadvantage. I think Charlie Montoyo helps with that. So that's what we'll be looking for. We'll talk briefly about the roster he's going to carry into 2019. A couple decisions were made on that front this week by the Blue Jays. We'll touch on them briefly right after this break. All right, so the Blue Jays have their manager in Charlie Montoyo, and they have made a couple decisions when it comes to players, and it involves the options. There were two players with club options, and it basically went as everyone expected. First, the Blue Jays exercised their club option on Justin Smoke. He will be making $8 million next year. That's a bargain for a guy who was Toronto's only Golden Globe Golden Globe. Golden Glove nominee, he he acts like he's he's pretty good. I'm I'm gonna butcher the heck out of that. He he acts with a cool calm demeanor every time, no matter what happens. So that, that could qualify him for a golden globe. That's where I wanted to go with that. But no, Golden Glove nominee, Justin Smoke. Again, that was a no brainer option. Even if the Blue Jays do decide, hey, we want to move on from Justin Smoke and trade him, that's a great contract that's going to get a lot of looks from teams. And I floated this out when the Justin Smoke trade rumors were a thing last week. You could look at a team like Colorado and say, hey, we will flip you, Justin Smoke. We will create that space for Rowdy Tellez. You give us Antonio Sensatella. Very similar to the Marco Estrada for Adam Lin trade, which celebrated its four-year anniversary today. So, special bit of Blue Jays history there. But no, it's something the Blue Jays have done in the past, and it makes sense for both clubs. I would hate to see Justin Smoke leave Toronto, because I think he has become such a an integral part of that clubhouse, an integral part of the defense, and is one of the few switch-hitting bats left that can actually do damage. So I would hate to see him go, but if the return is a guy like Sensatella, who's been kind of shuttled back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen, and is a guy who could become a big part of the Blue Jays' rotation, I, I I would hate to see it, but... I would swallow the bullet much like, you know, with the Pierce trade and the Hap trade earlier this season, the Granderson trade. I I would take the hit knowing what it can bring in the future. But for now, Justin Smoke will be staying in Toronto and that's only good good news for the organization. The other player found out about their option is Jan Hervis Salarte and shock of shocks, he did not get his option picked up. 5.5 million option. He is eligible for arbitration, so he's not a free agent yet. But you the way his tenure went in Toronto, it doesn't look like he's going to be sticking around. And we've called for his expulsion on this podcast before, just the way. He has done the thing that Charlie Montoyo does not want to see as manager of the Blue Jays. And that is someone who does not run, who does not hustle, and does not give that extra effort. So, no surprise that Salarte gets declined there. Heavily expect that his arbitration number, whatever it's set at, will be declined as well, making him a free agent. And that frees up a roster space for... You know, the likes of Brandon Drury to come back from DL or from for Lourdes Guriel to, you know, have that slot completely wrapped up. Troy Tulowitzki's is coming back from the DL as well, more than likely. So, you know, that gives the Blue Jays something to work with as opposed to, you know, having to waste a spot on a guy who just swings and ends up on one knee the majority of the time and does not do anything on the base pass. This is, that's going to be one of the things the Blue Jays need to do under Charlie Montoyo is get those guys who can move who aren't liabilities when moving from first to second who don't mean you have to start every runner and just end up in these terrible hit and run situations that turn into double plays anyway because the guy is not fast enough to get to second base. But Yeah. Will Salarte hook on with another team? More than likely. I mean, Miami's still in the league nominally, so at the very worst, he can go there and play a passable third base after they trade Martin Prado and Starlin Castro. But, yeah, not surprising to see him out have his option declined. And, again, it creates something that Charlie Montoyo can work with. As he starts to dive into this roster and see what he has in 2019. So, yeah, just tidying up a bit of Blue Jays news there. Again, we're hoping Smoke gets that gold glove win that he richly deserves. But I have no say in that matter. What I do have a say in is that you will get another Locked On I, If I can say it properly, that is what you will get. You will have another Locked on Jays podcast tomorrow. It will be a Fan Friday edition. Been sitting on this one for a little bit, but we will talk about the 2018 Blue Jays MVP. Y'all sent me a ton of votes over over a month ago, and I I've held on to them. I've tallied them, so we are going to move forward now that the playoffs are over and officially award the Locked on Jays 2018 MVP award with your help. So be looking for that tomorrow. It's going to be fun. And yeah, just, uh, you know, keep tabs on this podcast by following at LockedOnJays on Twitter. Also, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's neoac 18 8 And I'll still be interacting with you if you want to talk Montoyo. If you want to talk about who the jays could target in free agency these are topics that we will cover on the podcast in coming weeks but yeah until then you know the double header is in the books so for everyone here at locked on jays and the locked on podcast network i've been ryan andrews thank you all so much for listening to today's episode and y'all take care